Thank you, Brother Holmes. Clap your hands to the Lord one more time. Would you do it? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. That might suit the mayor of the city, but I said clap your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more time, would you do it? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. That might suit the mayor of the city, but I said clap your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's a great God tonight, isn't he? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. It is good to be at camp meeting tonight. We are so thankful for the honor to be in the house of the Lord one more time. And we have surely been feasting at the feet of the Lord the past several days. Amen. I want to thank Brother Holmes and uh, his wife and the church family here one more time for uh, their great hospitality, for hosting this wonderful camp meeting, all the hard work, labor, investment, expense that goes into it. It's already been remarked upon. Amen. Everything is done so well. The food has been great. All the decorations over at the other building for the ministers at each meal. Everything has been uh, just top-notch. My dad would say it would make him want to go throw rocks at all the restaurants. Amen. It's been exceptionally good. And uh, all these people that work so hard while we're in here enjoying camp meeting, they're out there working. And I want them to know that we deeply appreciate it. Amen. All the good music, good singing. Amen. This is a class act, isn't it? Uh, except that it's not an act. It's for real. These folks mean it and they love God with all their hearts. And uh, we just feel honored and privileged to be here. The hotel accommodations, the gift basket, all the special touches that have been shown in our behalf. And it's just been my uh, signal honor uh, for a number of years to be involved here at this camp meeting. It's always been a much greater blessing to me than I'm sure I have been uh, here, but uh, thank you again, Brother Holmes. And uh, I would like to comment, if I had time, which I don't, uh, on each of the messages that I have heard since I've been here. Uh, these men that have preached to us, uh, they have uh, tremendously blessed my heart, and we will be feasting from it for a long time to come. Praise the Lord. And uh, so tonight, I, uh, I want to just do my little part and get out of the way. Amen. I uh, really would have been happy if Brother Holmes had just canceled my part after the Holy Ghost took over last night. And the Holy Ghost can get more done in a few minutes than we can get done in many weeks of trying. And uh, so we're just thankful for the sovereign move of the Holy Ghost. And, uh, and so tonight, I just I have a very simple message tonight to bring to you like brother booker i will say if you're waiting for some deep profound uh, biblical dissertation exegesis or homiletics or hermeneutics or pontification or whatever you'll have to wait till brother go there gets up here amen uh, 
but uh, I, I have just some simple words to bring to you. But uh, there cometh one after me, the latches of whose shoes I am not worthy to loose. And I know we're going to hear something good here in a little bit. But I want to turn to a very familiar story in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 9 and uh, get on with the program here. And I will do my best to be mindful of the time as much as Jonathan Alviar is capable of being mindful of the time. <clears throat> so you're all going to have to pray for me, okay? Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 9. Good to have my wife and family here uh, with me at this camp meeting. All these great men of God that uh, are around this building. I love and esteem all of you very highly in the Lord. Amen. The Bible said, beginning with verse number 1, And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at Jerusalem with a very great company and camels that bear spices and gold in abundance, precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions, and there was nothing hid from Solomon which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, and the house that he had built, and the meat of his tables, and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, his cupbearers also, and their apparel, and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, It was a true report, which I heard in mine own land of thine acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not their words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the one half of the greatness of thy wisdom was not told me, for thou exceedest the fame that I heard. Happy are thy men, and happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. Amen. Everybody say amen. I want to talk to you for the next little bit on this little subject. Seeing the kingdom through the eyes of a stranger. Seeing the kingdom through the eyes of a stranger. Would you lift your hands and ask the Lord to help us one more time. Jesus, we love you tonight. God, we need you. We pray for your divine touch upon us one more time. That your presence would sweep through this congregation that you would walk up and down these aisles, that you would touch every man, woman, young person, and child. God, we need you more tonight than we've ever needed you before. Help me to faithfully represent your will one more time. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. The date was September 6th. 1976, when over the skies of Japan appeared a most unusual 
an unexpected sight, and that was a top-secret Russian uh, airplane, a fighter airplane called the MiG-25 Foxbat. Uh, it had been uh, uh, known to be in existence, but no one had seen one up close. It was also rumored that this airplane was vastly superior to anything in the arsenal of the Western uh, military, and uh, that it was capable of flight upward of three times the speed of sound, and that it had an operating ceiling of over 90,000 feet, which would make it uh, vastly uh, better than anything that we had. This was cause for great concern, because if it was true, then it would mean that air superiority had shifted toward the Soviet Union, which was an intolerable situation. We had wondered much about this plane. Our military had tried to get a close look at it, had not been successful. But unbeknownst to everyone, there was a young pilot who had uh, risen through the ranks, and uh, he was a pilot of this MiG-25 Foxbat, and uh, unbeknownst to his superiors, uh, there was something going on in his mind and in his heart. He had begun to become disillusioned with all of the propaganda and the lies fed to him by the Soviet government. And he began to wonder if, uh, if it was really all worthwhile or not. And so ultimately, to make a long story short, he decided to defect to the West. And he decided that the best thing he could do in the process was to deliver to the Western nations the gift of the MiG-25 Foxbat airplane. And so one day, when all was uh, according to his plan, he took off. By the time the Soviet military realized what he was doing, he already had enough of a jump on them that though they scrambled other planes to intercept him, he was flying the fastest plane in their uh, arsenal so they couldn't catch him. And off toward Japan he went. Uh, he actually landed at a commercial uh, airfield there, barely missing an airliner that was taken off. Landed with just barely 30 seconds of fuel in his tanks. Uh, but he made it. He overran the end of the runway, but, but he arrived as planned. And so, of course, uh, the United States government was just overjoyed to have uh, this prize. And, uh, of course, the Soviet government began to scream to the high heavens that we should return it. And so we did. We returned it after uh, shipping it to Dayton, Ohio, disassembling it into very small pieces and studying it for about 67 days. We finally crated it all back up and shipped it back. But by then, their top secret wasn't top secret anymore. Hallelujah. And so I've got to hurry, but as a gesture of appreciation to this pilot, our government, after some time of debriefing and questioning him, offered him anything that he wanted to thank him for his very brave gesture that he had done. And this is what he said. He said, I want to tour America. I want to take a journey through your country. And I want to see what America is like. But he said, I do not want to see 
your great cities. And I do not want to see your great monuments. I want to travel through rural America. And I want to see how the average American lives. Because he had this inner turmoil going on in him that he had betrayed his country. And, and he wanted some reassurance that he had done the right thing. So they assigned a couple of guys to escort him since he couldn't speak the language. And they said, all right. His name was Victor Belenkoff. They said, you can go anywhere you want to. Just tell us. So he said, let's go in this. So they'd go that direction for a while. And, and anywhere where he wanted to go. He wanted to go into the little cities and the little uh, uh, little tiny populated rural areas. And, and every so often he'd see a store and he'd say, let's pull off here. And so they'd pull off and he'd just get out and walk inside and he'd look through those stores, department stores. And, and his eyes would get wide with wonder as he would see shelves loaded down with goods and, and clothing racks just, uh, just uh, overloaded with clothes. And, and he would in disbelief say somehow you knew that I would want to stop here and you radioed ahead and told them to uh, to prepare this because it is not possible that a little store out here in the middle of nowhere would be so loaded down with so many goods and they would say no Victor this is the way it is all the time and they did not know you were coming and and uh, this is how all of the stars in America are and he said it's just beyond belief I cannot uh, hardly believe what my eyes are seeing and I read an interview with him later he said the thing that impressed him the most was when he went into the grocery stores and there was shelf after shelf loaded down with produce and canned goods and hallelujah and fresh meat and all of these things and and he said in Russia we had to stand in line for many hours sometimes for something that was hardly even worth eating but here in America everybody eats well and the shelves are loaded with food amen he asked uh, to stay with a family up I think in Wyoming some one of those states a farming community and he lived with them for a while and worked as a farmhand so he could just experience everyday life in America and uh, he would go to the star and uh, every time he would go he would bring back something new and uh, he wanted to prove it and just see what it was like. And so he'd bring back something. Maybe it was something to eat. And he'd eat that and experiment it. And uh, one day he brought home uh, some canned meat. And uh, he took it to uh, his little place where he lived. And he spread that meat on some bread. And he ate it. And he commented on how good that it tasted. And then some friends came to visit. And they said, Victor, we did not know that you had gotten a cat. And he said, I don't have a cat. And they said, well, what is this cat food doing here? Amen. He had brought home canned cat food and spread it on bread. And he said, I tell you, the cat food in America is better than the meat that we would eat in Russia. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, we're still living in a great country. He said later on, many years later, 
He had some friends that came to visit him. And so he decided to try this experiment on them. And he got some cat food for them and put it on some bread. And they just went on and on about how delicious it was. He said they make more effort to make sure, amen, that cat food is edible and good for you in America than the Russians do for the food for people. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes you've just got to see things through the eyes of a stranger so that the things that you take for granted every day of your life do not become commonplace to you. Hope you'll bear with me for just a little bit here. Amen. It made me think of the first time I came to America. You see, I was not raised here. I was born in the United States. I am actually the only child in my family that was born in the United States out of six children. I was born here because my parents had some problems with their documents in Brazil when they arrived there. My dad's briefcase was stolen and they had to come finally to the United States to get it all sorted out. And my mother was heavy with child. She was pregnant with me and and I was born in St. Petersburg, Florida. And then they got it all straightened out, went back when I was five months old. So of course I don't remember anything about that. But I am the only natural born child in our family uh, born in the United States. And don't you think that I didn't hold that over the head of my brothers and sisters. My older brother was born in Chile. All the others were born in Brazil. And anytime we got in an argument, I was always quick to say, remember, you are dealing with a real American. They've all been naturalized, but I was natural born here. Uh, But I grew up in Brazil, went to Brazilian schools. I spoke a mixture of Portuguese and English. I did not know how to read or write English until I came at 11 years old to the States. And I had uh, looked at books and looked at pictures about the United States. I had been here another time when I was much younger, but I couldn't remember much about those days either. But this time now I was 11 and I was aware enough of things that I was excited. I, I was looking forward to it. I was finally going to get to see the country of my nativity. I could hardly sleep for days before we traveled. And finally the big day arrived and we got on the airplane and we flew all night long and we landed in my Miami. Brother Dunn was there at that time and he came to the airport early in the morning to pick us up and, and I was so excited and, and so while they were waiting at the conveyor belts for the luggage to appear, amen, I got my brothers and sisters around me and, and we decided that we would venture outside. I wanted to breathe some genuine American air and so we started toward those big glass doors and, and as we got close to them, we reached out our hand with every intention of pushing them open when suddenly they opened on their own. We jumped back and we looked at those doors in amazement and then we looked to the right or to the left to see if somebody was playing a trick on us and the doors meanwhile closed again. You have to understand this was uh, uh, 40 Uh, almost 40 years ago, 30 some odd years ago. And at that time I had never seen automatic doors. And so we cautiously approached again when suddenly the doors sprung open again. And when we realized that's the way it was supposed to be, we spent the next several minutes just going in and out the door just to see the doors open. And I told my brothers and sisters, I said, I told you that the United States is great. You don't even have to open your own doors here. 
Can you stay with me a little while? Amen. And, and so finally, they got all the luggage, and, and Brother Dunn brought his car around, and this was the day of, of the big cars in America, late 60s. Uh, cars so long it took hinges to go around corners, and, and uh, the trunks were huge and cavernous. You have to understand, we were used to little Volkswagen Beetles. That's about all they had when I was growing up in Brazil, and you'd have to cram inside there, and it was always a miserable experience. But, but we put all of that luggage in this huge car and we got inside and we sank sunk down in that in that plush upholstery and, and uh, started gliding on our way toward his house and, and on the way we're just with wide-eyed wonder looking around and and I was sitting by the door and I got to study in the door and I, I couldn't find a window crank and then I found a little switch and I pushed the switch and the door uh, the window went down and, and and then I pushed it again and the window went back up and I thought ha I knew it. In America, you don't even have to open your own windows. And so all the way to the house, up and down, the window went. Hallelujah. You might think I'm crazy. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you what it looked like to me at 11 years old. My first experience, my first exposure. We got there. They had church that morning. It was a Sunday morning. We went to church and after service, they took us to eat at a cafeteria. It would have been better had they taken us to a buffet where you just paid one price. But they took us to a cafeteria. And we saw all that food down that long counter. And we just took our trays and we got one of everything we thought we liked. I cannot even imagine what the food bill must have been that day. We ate until we were about to bust. Amen. Later we went to play football. The boys uh, played football on Sunday afternoon in a big field uh, behind the church and uh, I had uh, never seen football played before and I didn't know what you did with that pointed ball. I I grew up in Brazil where they play soccer and uh, we had seen a football once before when somebody sent us some missionary barrels and uh, of used clothes, you know, and, and a lot of it was stuff nobody wanted anymore, but so that's what you send the missionaries. But anyway, uh, it was a, always a great day for us, and, and my mother reaches way down into a barrel and pulls out this ball, and, and, and the room grew silent. Uh, we didn't know what that thing was, and she handed it to us. We carried it outside. We tried bouncing it. And uh, that didn't work very well. We tried kicking it around like a soccer ball. And it didn't take but one or two kicks on the pointed end before we realized that's not what you did with it either. We finally put it away in discouragement. But this time we finally get to find out what you do with a football. So we played uh, football. We didn't have the foggiest notion. All we knew was when they crouched down, we crouched down. When they ran, we ran. We didn't know why we were running. We didn't know where we were running. We didn't know what the point what was, but we were playing American football. Amen. Uh, just give me a few minutes here. And, and, and so then we go inside to clean up, and we found to our amazement that in the bathroom there were two handles to every faucet. And there was cold water, and there was hot water. This was absolutely beyond belief. Still to this day in Brazil, most houses that you go into do not have running hot water. You take a shower from a a, a heating element that's up there and it's got wires going to it. And as the water goes through the heating element, then it heats the water. 
but remember it's got wires going to it and you're standing under water and sometimes when you reach up to adjust the flow of the water brother it'll light you up you hear me amen you get a charge out of that and so when i was growing up we took the proverbial saturday bath my mother had to heat the water and put it in the tub and uh, while we didn't like to take baths we would fight to be the first one in the water because two or three would have to share the same water and it would be brown after the first one or two and that's what you took your bath in but this day we get to take each one of us bath in fresh water in warm or hot water every one of us oh man we have died and gone to heaven this was just better than what I had even expected we got out from there and we're waiting for the evening service and brother Dunn had a gold and a blue swivel rocker two of them in his living room and we had never seen one of those either and while we had been uh, brought up to be more uh, courteous and mannerly and respectful uh, this was just too much and so we took turns getting in those chairs and spinning round and around this was my first day in America it was a very naive experience but I'm going to tell you something while I did not know at that point that there were a lot of problems in this country I did not know there was something so ugly as racism going on in those days in this country I did not know there was all kinds of other problems and turmoil in this country I will tell you this much my impressions that day were so powerful that even with all I have learned about about it from that time till this I stand here and tell you there is still no greater nation on the face of this earth I am proud to be an American I wish all the critics I wish all the I, I wish all the complainers would relocate to Afghanistan or Saudi Arabia or the Sudan or Nigeria and spend a few months there, then come back, amen, grateful for the privilege to be an American. 21 years ago, my wife and I and our oldest boy was just a baby. Spent about eight days in the country of Chile. There were over 100 bombs that went off in the capital city during the days that we were there. There were bus loads filled with military personnel strategically located all around the city. It was a very tense environment. They would be standing out in the corners with their submachine guns. They would be watching our every move. When we finally left there and came back, I wanted to kiss the the ground. I wanted to sing the national anthem every time I saw the stars and stripes. I'm telling you, it never gets old to me. Uh, if you'll just stay with me, we're going to go somewhere real fast here tonight. Amen. But, uh, but I'm telling you, you've got to see it through the eyes of a stranger to be able to know what you've got. And the Bible here tells the story about this queen of Sheba going and visiting Solomon. Now I want you to know something. This was no street urchin who had won a lottery to go to the palace. This was no common girl that had suddenly been bestowed this great favor and this great honor. This was a queen in her own right. This was a woman accustomed to wealth and opulence 
opulence and beauty and luxury. She was used to living in the marbled hallways of palaces. She knew what luxury and plush things were. Amen. She did not come empty-handed. The Bible said she came with a camel train that was loaded with spices and precious stones, things that were very costly and gold in abundance when she went to Jerusalem. I don't know what she was expecting to see, but it far exceeded her expectations when she got there. And when she got to looking around at everything that was around her, the Bible said when she saw his servants, when she saw their apparel, when she saw their sitting at the table, when they, when she saw, amen, all of the beautiful things that he had built, the house that he had built, and she saw his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. You know what that just means to me? It means that Solomon made a big deal out of going to church. I mean, he approached going to the house of God with style, with dignity, with excitement, with preparation, with anticipation. Hope y'all wake up here a little bit. And when she heard the wisdom of Solomon and all the things that he told her, the Bible said there was no spirit left in her. I don't mean she was just amazed. She didn't just say, wow, that's neat. This queen, accustomed to wonderful, beautiful, and fine things, stood there and her eyes came out on stairs. Amen. And she was speechless. And there was no spirit left in her. And when she finally got her breath, this is what she said. Happy are thy men, and happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. All these people that get to enjoy this all the time, they ought to be happy. I'm starting to feel a little better now. I I, I just came to try to help somebody here this evening. Because I really didn't come to talk to you about Victor Belenkov. And I didn't come to talk to you about me. And I didn't really come to talk to you about the Queen of Sheba. Or about Solomon. But I came to talk to you about the greatest institution on the face of this earth. It is called the church of the living God. You've heard of it, haven't you? Come on, give me plenty of volume now. Give me plenty of volume. Hallelujah. Let me tell you what you're in tonight. You're not in a Walmart. You're not in a ballpark. You're not in a sports arena. You're not in a concert hall. You're in the greatest thing that this world has ever known. Can 
can I tell you something? This great God that I serve, amen, he spoke the worlds into existence. And oh, what a magnificent job he did. They are still trying to study everything he made, and they still can't figure most of it out. They're still scratching their heads. They're still trying to see all the stars he made. They're still trying to understand all the atoms and molecules that he made. They're still trying to figure out how things grow and how things have life. But with all that God put into this universe, he said, heaven and earth shall pass away. I submit to you, if he put that much care and that much effort and that much energy into something that had a lifespan to it, that had a deadline to it, that had an expiration date to it, what do you think he was willing to do when he made the announcement upon this rock? I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He did not skimp. He did not economize. He did not cut any corners. He didn't shortchange. This isn't put together with with spare parts. If God would put all of that into the universe, he has put the very best that he has into the church. Oh, I'm going to tell you something. You can be seated, but it's easy. It's easy to walk into this structure and look around and say, Woo, man, look at this. But I'm going to tell you something. What I'm preaching about is not brick and mortar. What I'm preaching about is not lumber and carpet. What I'm preaching about is not chandeliers and stained glass. All of that is beautiful. But I'm talking about something that works. Even if you're walking into a little country church where you can only squeeze about 50 people. I'm talking about what David said when he said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Some of y'all need to wake up. It's the last night of camp meeting. Might as well have church a little while here. You know what? As, as impressive as this is right here, as magnificent as this building is right here, I would venture to say, Brother Holmes, that since you and your church family have been in here, there's been somebody that has probably quit living for God since you've been in this. One of the most beautiful buildings in America with tremendous choir singing and skilled musicianship and some of the best preaching you'll hear anywhere because you can sit around this and get bored with it you can sit around this and find it to be commonplace you can sit around this and get to thinking there's nothing to it 
But I want to wake somebody up here tonight. Can you imagine what it's like to walk into this for the first time straight out of the bars and the honky-tonks and the pool halls and the casinos and the dance halls and you walk into this environment and you walk into this atmosphere where it's not just the music and it's not just the building but there's something here. I'm feeling something that I never felt anywhere else. To see people who are excited about church. Hey, now there's a novel idea. Being excited about coming to church. I'm here to tell you, we've got something that's so wonderful you can look forward to coming to the house of God. Woo! Church again tonight. God's going to work. Somebody's going to get help. Somebody's going to get delivered. Somebody's going to get what they need from God. I'm going to touch him. I'm going to be with him. I'm going to feel his presence. Some of you need to remember where you came from. And remember what it's like to say, I was glad, I was glad, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. You don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. Can you remember what it was like? Can you remember how it felt? Can you remember how good it was? Can you recapture that feeling? Say, but there's problems in the church. There's hypocrites in the church. There's devils to fight in the church. Yes, to all of the above. But it's still the best thing going. This is better than any nightclub they've got. This is better than the biggest coliseum that they've built. This is better, hallelujah, than any sports arena on the face of the earth. There is no comparison to the church. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This is better than the Grand Canyon. This is better than the Arch of St. Louis. This is better than the Golden Gate Bridge. This is better than the Empire State Building. This is better than any site, any place, any location in the face of the earth. I'm going to try to hurry. Amen. But just to walk in here, just to walk in here and feel the clean presence of God. To see people worshiping Him in a manner 
that is wholesome and holy and not sensual and carnal. What a change from the strip joints. What a change from the discotheques. What a change from the dance halls. Hey, I've got a right to praise the Lord. I've got a right to lift my voice. Ain't nobody got a right like the children of the Lord who've seen the lights. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and I've got a right. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why, that's why, brethren, we have a responsibility to keep the church clean today. They need to walk in here and not see, amen, a bunch of flirts singing in the choir, sashaying and moving their bodies and showing themselves off. We are not here to glorify flesh. No flesh shall glory in his presence. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, they got a right to look up and not see bare legs showing through split skirts. Plunging necklines, sheer clothing. As Brother Weeks said the other night, they don't need to walk in here and see a bunch of Britney Spears wannabes. You're the church of the living God. Young ladies who can't raise their hands to worship God without showing their navel. They see enough of that in the world. I'm going to tell you something else. Our men need to see something beyond that. Maybe I should rephrase that. Our men should not have to see something like that. Our men have to contend with enough temptation out there in that world. They should not have to come to church and avert their eyes. They need to come in here and see women who look like women. And men who look like men. Not a bunch of little sissified queers in the choir or on the music but men who are men hallelujah 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 hey let's get rid of this GQ stuff These little spiky hairdos that 
cute little sideburns. We've reached a day when some young men spend more time primping, amen, and doing their hair than the girls do. This is not the place to make a fashion statement. This is the church of the living God. school class that isn't taught by a homosexual, a child molester, or a pervert. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! You know how that's not going to happen? Is if you take your hands off the pulpit and let the preacher preach. Just let him rear back and preach. Let him tear up Jack if he needs to. Because we've got to keep the church the church. I'm going to tell some highfalutin highbrow something here tonight. I don't care who you are or what you do out there. You might be the CEO of General Motors. You might be Bill Gates. You might be a billionaire. You might be so intelligent and so educated, they call you Dr. Fahrenheit. You've got so many degrees behind your name. But when you came here, you're dumber than a box of rocks when it comes to the things of God. We didn't have anything when we came to church. You might have thought you had something. You might have thought you knew something until you walked in and you just go, ah. Never been in anything like this. Never seen anything like this. I, I got to wind this up. I want to hear Brother Godair preach tonight. Really, really, really. Hallelujah. Hey, can you imagine what it's like to walk in here? Coming out of dead, dry, formal religion. Please, please don't charge me with being unkind. Dead, dry Catholicism. And most of what they call denominationalism. We're going to sing the first and the third stanzas and so and so is going to pray the offertory and the minister is going to deliver a dissertation on this subject a little sermonette and we'll all get home in time to watch our favorite TV program that's what they've been used to then they walk straight into a white hot apostolic church. 
They've never seen this before. They've never felt this before. And there's people clapping their hands. And there's people leaping for joy. And there's people dancing before the Lord. He kandolomo shatalaba kaya. Kandolomo katariaba shatalaba. Can you imagine what it's like to walk into this out of, amen, the shallow showmanship and sensationalism that is the charismatic movement of the program and entertainment? And you walk into a place where it seems like the only thing on the agenda is let's have a move of God and you look around and you say everybody acts so happy only they're not acting they really are happy Here's what I like about it. Amen. It's people of all ages. It's the old. It's the middle-aged. And it's the young. There's still going to be some young men that are going to live for God. There's still going to be some young ladies that are going to live for God. They're going to pay the price. And they are going to live right. I know I've told this before, but I had a young lady leave one time a few years ago. And on her way out, she said, you preach it too hard. All you're going to have left is a bunch of old people. And you know what? There's been a few times where I wondered if she was right. But you know what? That's a lie straight out of hell. There's some young men that have fallen in love with this. There's some young ladies that have fallen in love with this. And they are going to pay the price and live for God. They love God. They love the church. They love the word of God. They love holiness. All young people aren't fornicators. All young people are not sneaking around seeing how much trouble they can get into. There's some young people that have got one thing on their mind. And that is, that is how can I please God? Is anybody like that here tonight? You don't have to backslide to find out what living is all about. You don't have to experience the world, amen, to get a taste of what fun and excitement is all about. You don't have to go out there and experiment with dope and drugs and nicotine and alcohol to find out what a high is all about. Because I'm going to tell you something, in his presence, in his presence, there is fullness of joy and at his right hand 
There are pleasers forevermore. I got to quit. I got to quit. I got to quit. Really? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, let's, let's give, give the Lord a hand clap tonight. Let's really, let's really praise him. see what I look like with a little makeup on I, I just want to backslide just for a short time I'd like to see what I look like paint it up like that cover on Cosmopolitan magazine if you do that hey man you're trading in something great for a cheap counterfeit because the Bible still says he will beautify the meek with salvation. There is nothing more beautiful on a young lady than the glow of the Holy Ghost. This world doesn't have anything to compare to it. Ashamed of how we look. And ashamed of how we dress. When the queen of Sheba came in and she saw their apparel. Here's some people that had some class. Oh, I'm telling you, it's wonderful to be apostolic. I'm not ashamed to be apostolic. I love what this good elder said one time. Brother McMullen said one time, he said, dressing right 
is the easiest thing I do. When you really fall in love with God, you'll quit sitting there. I wish I could wear this. I wish I could wear this. I wish I could. I wish I wish I wish. I'm glad I'm where I'm at. There's nothing better than this. Let, let, let me just tap on something else and I'm going to quit. Amen. She heard the wisdom of Solomon. He answered all her questions. And there was nothing that he didn't tell her. He didn't hold back. He told her everything. He told it like it was. You didn't come in to hear some little Bible seminary limp rest give four little points oh thank God for an anointed ministry in this hour I've got enough confidence in the kind of ministry that gathers at this camp meeting to know that wherever you go to church, whether it's here or whether it's somewhere else, you got somebody that's going to tell it like it is. Not going to try to be politically correct. Not try just to win friends and influence people. But it's going to preach the whole counsel of God. friend you have in the world is somebody that'll tell you the truth. Hey man. Now, let me tell you something. I, I have a I have a certain amount of admiration. Please hear me out. I have a certain amount of admiration for Billy Graham in the sense that here's a man who appears to have integrity and have character. But have you ever heard him preach? Brother, I'm going to tell you something. The youngest preacher here can preach circles around him. I'm just talking about sheer preaching ability. The, the young men, try, just starting out, they can preach circles around him. I just made somebody mad. Maybe you've been sending in a portion of your tithes. Bear with me now. You get to hear the best preaching and teaching on the face of the earth all the time. They're standing in line for a little piece of grisly meat. When our shelves are loaded. See, you're losing steam. Amen. But, but, but listen, listen. I, I am really just about done. Hallelujah. Oh, God, help me. Amen. But T.D. Jakes doesn't have anything over on these men.
say, but woo, he's got such, he, he's, he's got, he's so eloquent and, and oh, it's just so powerful. It, they might be more eloquent than some of these men, but it doesn't have the same anointing. And when you've got even a John the Baptist with a rough gravelly voice who isn't a very impressive sight, but he is speaking the truth. Honey, something is about to happen. And I don't care what anybody thinks tonight. We've still got the only message that can save anybody. Well, 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 is everybody here apostolic? Let me see. Because we're not going to leave camp meeting without saying one more time, it's Acts 2.38 or half. just one God and his name is Jesus Jesus is the father Jesus is the son Jesus is the Holy Ghost and all these three are one one Lord one faith one baptism one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hey, I know something the Queen of England doesn't know. I know who Jesus is. I know something the President of the United States doesn't know. I know something the FBI and the CIA don't know. I know who Jesus is. I know it's a lot of doctors of theology don't know. I know what Albert Einstein never figured out. He figured out the formula for relativity. E equals MC squared. Big whoopie doo. I know the formula of Acts 2.38. Reap. Hey, this formula is so powerful. It can change your vile body. Until it is fashioned like unto his glorious body. It's just a matter of time. But it begins with repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and I've got even better news the promise is unto you and to your children and unto all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call
All right, I'm done. I'm just, I'm just done. Amen. But, but we, but we saunter in here like, wonder what they're going to do tonight. Wonder what kind of program they've got for us tonight. And we just wandered into the most wonderful thing on the face of the earth. I'm talking about the church in the book of Revelation. It's built on a rock. It's got a firm foundation. It's been through the flood and it's been through the fire. And one of these days, the church is moving up higher. That's the church I'm talking about. That's what I'm preaching about here tonight. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise and worship him this evening. Well, glory, 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 glory.
somebody. Why don't somebody just turn loose and let the Lord have his way? We don't need another sermon. We just heard what God wanted said here tonight. Brother Alviar had the message of the hour. Hallelujah. And all I got to say is me too. Praise God. Come on, let's let the Holy Ghost break out all over this house. Woo! Somebody can be blessed, can be healed, filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's let God do what he wants to do. I say amen to this great message. just saying this if you need healing for your body step out in the aisle right where you are if you need healing for your body step out in the aisle my god wants to heal in this house my god wants to heal in this house my god wants to heal in this house you see somebody in the aisle pray for it my god wants to heal in this house tonight
you, ne you never know where Brother Joel will have you standing. <laughs> Glory. Oh, I believe this is the greatest camp meeting we ever had. We've had uh, uh, many miracles that the Lord has did in this church, but here uh, a few months ago, he did another one. One day I was praying up here, and I saw a vision of a of a big package. It was wrapped just like it was, uh, you know, a gift, and uh, it was coming down over on the, from my right, about middle ways, it was just coming down, and, and uh, I was so impressed about it, all I could figure out was, we're going to have a great revival, but I, I, I couldn't, I, I thought they must be going to uh, be more people get the Holy Ghost sitting on that side than they are over this way. Well... What it was, the Lord is going to fill my son with a Holy Ghost that hadn't lived for God in, a, in around 40 years. Hallelujah. 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 Well, the, the Sunday that uh, he received the Holy Ghost... And he, he lives at Bryant, and he lives in that direction, you know. And the Sunday that he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and was baptized, and Brother Joel was the one that baptized him, and he was standing, Ruble was standing in the water speaking in tongues, and it was Brother Joel's birthday. Victory, victory, victory. Amen. Amen. I only have this one brother, and he's been a wonderful support in all my life. Amen. I mean, just unbelievable friend and supporter. But when you said come to church, and I mean just this sharp and just this quick, he said goodbye. Don't want to talk about church. He'd love to talk about it, talk about everybody in the church and everything that was going on in the church. And he was excited about it and willing to help support it. But when you said you come, he said, no, no I'm not going to be talking about that. And told, told his mother, said, if you just keep on, I'm, I'm not even going to call you anymore. I'm just telling you what a miracle God can do. I've never, I never dealt with anybody that was harder Amen. You'd think after 40 years something would happen, he'd say, well, pray for me. Or it'll give you a little bit of encouragement. He never gave us one word of encouragement. Every word was discouragement. Why am I telling that? Not to embarrass him, but I know what some of you are going through. 
you got loved ones and they, they discourage you every way you turn. They, they just, and man, it just the aggravating thing. It just looked like he's just going to do better every way he turned. It just, just good things were happening in his life. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, God knows how to get your attention. Amen. So don't be discouraged. You got a loved one not living for God, don't you be one bit discouraged. If they curse the church, curse God against everything. Let me tell you, God's bigger than the devil. God's bigger than your doubts. Amen. God can turn them around, fill them with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amazing thing, since he's got the Holy Ghost, he's wanted to witness to everybody. He's called businessmen, bankers, um, builders, lawyers, all kind of people, and invited them to church and tell them about the Holy Ghost and what God's done in his life. Amen. The devil's a liar and the truth is not in him. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And for you that don't know, this is the only one. Brother Cox said, man, I got 11 of those. I said, it'd take 11 to keep up with this one. <laughs> Amen. Poor guy. I had to have 11 just to finally catch up with me. Amen. Well, I thank the Lord for this wonderful count meeting and everyone that has come to worship with us during this time. It's just been wonderful. I think I have to say, like Brother Holmes, I believe this is the best we've ever had. And that, that spirit of the Holy Ghost has been here, and that's what's so wonderful. And also, I want to take this opportunity to thank the ladies and the people in this church that have worked so hard for me this year. They took the burden this year because I've been so ill, and they just completely took it over and took it away from me. And I want to thank each of them because I know what it is, and I know how much hard it is, but it's a blessing in it, and we all know that. And we're just, I know they're happy they've done it, but I wanted to give them thanks. I'm just glad that I can stand here and be a witness for the Lord. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I appreciate all the prayers that was prayed for me all those years. And one man in here fasted three days for me. And I really appreciate everything. Glad to be here tonight. I'm just thankful that we can feel the presence of the Lord and that we can feel this liberty that we feel here tonight. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. I tell you what, I look forward to this time of the year. All the, just all throughout the year, we can't wait for this time. Growing up in this church, experiencing this wonderful Holy Ghost. I tell you, when we brought that drum out, I thought liberty is still, it's still going forth. The truth is still going forth in this pulpit. It hadn't changed one time. I'm so thankful for the Holy Ghost. I'm so thankful for this truth, this Acts 2.38 message. Hallelujah. It's been good to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.